Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device that you use. Your random college hooper of the week comes out of the Big East. It comes from the Sharks' alma mater. It is Joe Trapani. Joe Trapani, the former BC Eagle, a forward. Little known story about me, the Shark, and Joe Trapani. I was over at the Sharks' place circa 2009, I would say, on campus. I, I just remember it was the day that Xavier and BYU, I think it was. Or no, it was Xavier, Kansas State, was going toe-to-toe to Holloway. Jacob Pullen. Jacob Pullen, Gus Johnson, stars. Uh, and that was right before Gus got wrongly asked to leave, I guess, CBS or no more on CBS. But how this all ties together. We took a little bit of a break, had to get some fresh air, toss the football around. We went to Alumni Field because if you know the first Thursday and Friday of the tournament, and we'll get to that scheduling here later in the show. But the first Thursday and Friday, it's very easy to just get cooped up in the house and not move, create a crater on the couch. Uh, we didn't want to do that. So we went out, got some fresh air, and on our way to BC's alumni field, we see none other than Joe Trapani. And Joe Trapani stands out like a sore thumb amongst guys like us. Good guy, though, if I remember correctly. Great guy. Great college player, too. He's exactly what you want in a uh, in a stretch four back in the 09 days. That's what you want. That guy could do it all. Tough. Hit the big shots. I do recall the day as well, Soup. Uh, great field goal. Would you drill it from 40? I want to say we exaggerate a lot, especially as the years go on. Exaggerating stories more and more becomes the norm. I genuinely think I hit it from 40 in my boxer. No, in PJs with socks on. Yeah, it's a good kick. Good day. Was that an Al Skinner recruit, by the way, Joe Trapani? Was Skinner still there? Yeah, that's that's an Al Skinner special right there. Hell of a day. That's a full day to quote Jimmy V. But yeah, Joe Trapani, your random college hooper of the week. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the seat is. And make sure to follow the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains.
So no Taylor today, just uh, the the original two here. Shark, good to have you on. How's dry January going, by the way? It's tough. I'll be honest with you. It's tougher tonight. I mean, we're doing the show. I Forgive me if the energy level is a little low. Just went through uh, Tennessee, just embarrassing themselves in Gainesville. Horrible performance. Not a good look for me. I've been uh, trumpeting Tennessee all year, and I got egg on my face. So uh I'm, actually, I can't. I'm I'm doing no dairy January too. I can't even have eggs, so I don't have egg on my face. No alcohol, no eggs, no dairy. Cleaning out the system. Coming in hot for Super Bowl Sunday, though. I'll give you that. Super Bowl Sunday, bad day to be a beer on Super Bowl Sunday. I, I guess bad day to be an egg, cheese, whatever it is, uh, on Super Bowl Sunday as well. Look, I'm not going to get on you for that for this Tennessee loss, okay? Because if you followed us on Twitter, the shark called me out for Kentucky, Illinois. And I think Rutgers and I basically said, look, Illinois. Yeah, that was a bad game, but they're still ranked top 25. They shouldn't have lost to Ohio state, but they got their ass whooped Rutgers. We were all Rutgers guys. All right. That might be a fleeting notion, but we're all Steve Peichel guys, Kentucky. I'll take my lap for sure. Taking a lap. So I'm not going to get on you for this Tennessee loss. People drop teams, drop games. There's this is only their second loss. First loss in conference or second loss in conference. Second. I mean, both their losses are in conference, one to Alabama and then this one. But, I mean, it hurts so bad because, the one, they played terrible, and two, Florida was out all their guys. Florida's best players were not playing tonight. And Tennessee, I mean, oh, my goodness, they just cannot make a shot. Every single, every single week, I feel like I'm retweeting myself. I'm a big retweeter of myself, one of my old tweets. Did it again tonight. Um, I mean, how many times can this team shoot 30% against a semi-decent team? And even tonight, it's not a semi-decent team. They're playing bumps on Florida. They're just getting outworked. It's I, you know, it's like the old, uh, there's the old joke where, it's not really a joke at all, but there's the, it's kind of a joke. Half joke, half kind of a commentary. But there's the guy that goes to the doctor, walks into the doctor, says, hey, doc, uh, what's wrong with me? The doctor looks him over. He says, uh, you know, you got cancer from head to toe. You're going to die tomorrow. And the guy's like, I'm going to got to, there's got to be something I can do, doc. Like, what can I do to make prolong this so I can live a little bit longer? And the doctor looks at him and says, Hey, you got, you got, uh, you got ESPN. And the guy's like, yeah, I got ESPN. He's like, well, on uh Tuesday, January 19th at seven o'clock, why don't you watch the Tennessee Vols play the Florida Gators? It'll make you live forever because that game's never going to end and you're going to feel it. And you're going to live in that moment and it's going to last forever because it's so painful. How many in and out layups can you possibly have, Keon Johnson? Owner and Anonoski, I mean, my goodness, can you put one in the bread basket here? You're killing me. I felt like I was watching that game for four hours and it was one of the worst experiences I've ever had and just sitting there in the second half. So that's that's where I'm at right now. I've never heard that joke slash little comparison, but yeah, I mean, that's, uh, it's good though. 
it's a pro no it's appropriate is what i should say yeah i haven't i haven't watched the game at all but yeah i mean tennessee down big right now to florida and i Mike White, for my money, is entering doing just enough to keep his job territory. I think on Saturday I tweeted that, like, when does his seat get hot? Because I think they got smoked on Saturday or over the weekend, whenever it was. But this might be one of those wins where at the end of the season, when they're evaluating Mike White, they say, okay, well, he destroyed a national title contender, a top 10 team in Tennessee. Uh, so, I mean, a hug for you there, Shark. Rough week, though, to be a Vols fan. Or is it a rough week? You got rid of Jeremy Pruitt, but it was under, I mean, it was for cause. Yeah. Uh, it, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Is it more embarrassing to get rid of your coach based on performance or cause? I mean, it seems like this was kind of a mixture of both because you're, you know, you did a little, some, some shady recruiting and you still couldn't win. Yeah, I mean, it's this one is as bad as you could possibly imagine, especially when you factor into how you ended up with Pruitt in the first place. I mean, this freaking fan base, they, they, to think about the irony of this. They go and they completely start a mob to take down Greg Schiano for him allegedly being a bad guy when he was not a bad guy. The rest of the world knows he's not a bad guy, but the Tennessee fan base thinks it's in their right that they have to go defame the guy to bring him down. So they lose the job. Uh, and, and to replace him, they bring in this absolute scumbag that torpedoes the program, not only on the field, but off the field as well. And to the point where you got a horrible program that is cheating to be in a horrible program on the field. And we're supposed to sit back and be like, oh, yeah, good move getting rid of Shiano. It's ridiculous. Clay Travis should be ashamed of himself because he spearheaded that mob. That's your point. I was the only guy. I Honestly, it, it might have been. I, I'm telling you, I was the only guy saying Shiano. I've been saying, yeah, chop, I've been saying chop wood for decades at this pod guy. Shiano was a chop wood guy at Rutgers. So I've been I saying him Shiano for a long was time. Your guy. Yeah, you're he right. was my guy. And for us to now be in this position where the um, <clears throat> the university is – Getting, getting their legal team to come up with ways to sink their own man. It, it's hilarious, in my opinion. So I, I actually, I'm happy it happened. We were never going anywhere with Pruitt. I mean, you take one look at that slob on the field, and you can you can sense that he's got no ability to run a program. I mean, what sort of faith can you put in this guy to actually get in the right position, get the team where it needs to be? They run Guantanamo out there every single week. Uh, what more do you need to see? And they're cheating off the field too. So I I was all excited about that happening. So we can all of a sudden become a bas- basketball school, but then we go and we shoot 20% against uh, the Florida's JV team. So what, uh, I mean, as dry January and with no dairy, dry January dairy. <laughs> sharp, sharp, very quick. I mean, who, who have the coaches been, right? I've, I, who was before Derek Dooley? We had Derek Dooley. We got Butch Jones. We got Lane, Lane, Kiffin. Crew, Lane Kiffin. Yeah. yeah. Lane, I mean, that's just, the just bring the Lane train right. back. I mean, here's, here's the irony. Uh, here's a crazy thing, Father. You know, you're coming up. You got the drink right at the top of the lid right now. Here's a crazy, here's a, you know, here's a wild thing about it. They're thinking about bringing Kiffin back, and it's legitimate. So the guy that ran out of town that started this whole mess, they're thinking about bringing him back a decade later. I mean, where the hell am I right now? It's unbelievable. I mean, I and think you've got to do it. Which, point, is right? the, which is the most beautiful thing in the world because you got all these freaking dumbass fans that are tweeting at about how you got to Greg Schiano's not a character, man. You know, he doesn't have the character. He did this with the Penn state stuff. Like, give me a break. You just didn't like the guy. Cause he's not didn't coach in the sec at any point. He's from the Northeast. So, um, 
What was the question? Uh, I just I, I just opened it by saying it was a bad week to be a, a Vols fan, but you know, uh, see, I don't think it's. A, I'm okay with the fact that sometimes you got to make the bad decision early on. You can't just keep running this back for two more two more years on Shiano's contract to bring in another one of my teams. It's like getting rid of Dwayne Haskins. You got to do it. You're going to be embarrassed. You know, he's a first round pick. Nobody cuts first round picks in their second year. Sometimes you just got to do it, man. You got to you got to make that tough decision. Um, this one. Should have been made, should have never been made, but at least they made it. And I like the fact that they're trying not to pay him. I don't care about buyouts and all that. Like these, yeah. these schools are going to pay. Like, I don't get why fans they're care all, about They're, they're like, all like, rich as hell. Yeah. Like they're fine. Like, like, yo, Joe Blow, little fan. You're, this is not coming out of your pocket. All right. They're going to bring in a good football coach. Take it easy. Yeah. Um, so, the coaching search there continues for Tennessee. Love a coaching. This is your season. I saw your tweet because you root for some of the worst teams across the board, college football, college basketball. I mean, college basketball actually might be your wheelhouse. Now you are definitely the alpha of a lot of text groups in college basketball. Maybe not anymore. No, I mean, come on. We're doing a role reversal right now. We're doing a role reversal. You're the one being reactionary. I'm over here telling you not just take it easy. Two two losses. You're just fine. Um, But I mean, outside of college basketball and I'm, to an extent still within college basketball because you employ Jim Christian at your undergrad school and BC is God awful, but college football and the dumps terrible <laughs> NFL team. You had a bit of a, uh, some gleam. You had a little bit of a glimmer, uh, seven and nine though, at the end of the day, and you still somehow cut, cut your first round pick quarterback two years in. But we've said that this is kind of your, your season coaching searches, draft boards, uh, what else am I missing? Is it free agency? Brackets. No, brackets. Brackets. Yeah. brackets. When you're a guy like me, uh, and you know, I root for the Red Sox and the Celtics, so I, I got a few titles under my belt. Uh, but the vast majority of my teams are not successful. In fact, they're laughably bad where I get you know made fun of on a continual basis. When you're a guy like me, you come to value those three things. You value mock drafts. You get in every mock draft you could possibly imagine. Uh, you figure out who you could potentially get. You value coaching searches. You get on the message boards. You figure out who's saying what. You find out which reporters are the ones to listen to. You uh, to figure out where the you know wives are looking at houses, deep connections to when they're grad assistants. You do all that. And then you do your bracket. You got bracket time. So bracket, I think we're going to talk about that with the schedule that's coming out for March Madness this year. But we are trending towards a uh, – a great period for me personally when I have a coaching search, I have a mock draft, and I have my brackets all combining into one. So if you're able to play the music from Perfect Storm, if you could splice that in at some point in this episode, I don't care when it happens. But when you got Shooter McGavin sitting there looking at the meteor- meteorology screen, and he's seeing the three storms come together, and he says it's the perfect storm. Well, that's what I'm working with right now. So it's a great time to be me for those three areas where I thrive, uh, but ultimately it leads to um, dumb hope. So here's what I'll try and do. Post recording when I'm editing, I will try and incorporate into our closing credits your uh, speech. The what is it? First five minutes uninterrupted from that episode minutes. last year. It couldn't have been 15 minutes. You went 15 minutes on. I went 15. Yeah, I went 15. Well, and then I did the. Uh, oh, you're talking about the Andrea Gale. So when I did the Clooney bit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, just the Clooney bit. I'm not doing 15 oh, yeah. minutes of closing credits. Yeah, if you could pull the Clooney bit, that's good. I, I would appreciate that. It is the perfect storm for the shark. Uh, all right, let's dive into some college hoops now. Look, you got your fill with Tennessee. You keep pissing and moaning. We don't talk Tennessee. We spent the first 10 or so minutes talking about uh, how they're performing poorly tonight against Florida. But 
it's also worth noting, and I, this is probably going to piss you off, that this is the first time in 60-plus years or so that Kentucky, Carolina, and Duke all at the same time are not ranked. For the first time in 60-plus years, one of those teams is not in the top 25. And for me, Shark, it kind of just speaks to how useless, not useless, sorry, how how this year just is is fake. It just doesn't count. It's just crazy to me that not one of these three teams is in. And I know you got you're putting on a face. They'll be back. They're they're just and maybe they're just having a down year, obviously. But how wild is it to you to not see at least one of these teams rank top twenty five? I know why you're doing this, and it's because Arizona is also not going to be making the tournament. So you're going to somehow on the back end try to loop in you into one of those blue blood programs. And I'm not going to allow it. I'm letting you know that right now. But for purposes of the three teams who identified, it is a little bit strange. Um, I think that there is somewhat of an overreaction to it, though, however. And the reason I say that is because uh, the only reason this is happening is because people didn't get to get all the cupcakes in their non-conference schedules. So they weren't able to pad the numbers that they could have ordinarily had. Uh, they had to play tough games early on. There you know, are fewer games that are played throughout the year, so their records look a lot worse. Granted, that's a, uh, the teams still aren't very good, but uh, that's the only reason why it's happening. It'll probably never happen again for as long as we all live. But it, it, it's a weird thing to look up and see. Um, I, I mean, I guess out of those teams, you would expect Duke to – to be the least likely to fall out there. I don't know. What, what would you think? Yeah. Just because Carolina sucked last year. And then, I mean, Kentucky always takes a little bit of time for them to spin up, but they're, I mean, they're what preseason number two, Kentucky. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, and it seems like Cal is just completely lost grasp of all reality. Almost. He's, he's looks like shit in post-game press conferences. First and foremost, look, I'm not, I'm not over here saying that I'm like some fashionista. I'm not some guy who's going to tell you that my hair, actually my hair is typically always on point, but uh, Calipari is looking like absolutely disheveled bum in these games. He looks like he's given up and it's all, I kind of feel like I'm calling coward right now with the backwards hat bit, but if you're Cal, man, like you got to look somewhat presentable and somewhat like you're you're trying at least. But he's also saying some weird things like, "Oh, I didn't pull this freshman because he, his family's watching in there. They're going to be sad." Like, what what does this have anything to do with? Well, this is big time SEC D one basketball. You're at Kentucky. Why aren't you being the cutthroat wild man that you usually are? I feel like he's completely punted on this year. Uh, yeah, but I mean, Carolina stunk last year, but they, they were trending upwards this year. They had a lot of their players coming back. I think they have uh, a really good recruiting class, but who knows shark? This could also be the changing of the guard in terms of coaches, right? Roy Williams and coach K have been doing this ever since we started watching college basketball. Calipari has been relevant pretty much the same, like ever since Dewan Wagner, is there something to be said for these coaches just kind of being phased out by the younger guys or, you know, guys like, or you even look at a guy like Bill Self. Bill Self, Kansas is really good, but they're not winning big time games anymore this season. It doesn't seem like I'm not ready to write them off, but I am ready to jump in the wagon of a Jay Wright, of a Chris Beard, of a Scott Drew, guys that have kind of, it seems like they've been waiting their turn, maybe not Jay Wright, but waiting their turn to be the Mount Rushmore of current day college basketball coaches. 
I would agree with that point with respect to Coach K, definitely on Coach K, that you can kind of see him on the sidelines. It's not the same. He's losing a step. Uh, the in-game adjustments, the the fire, the way they play, just they don't seem like a well-oiled machine like they normally would be. Uh, Roy Williams, I'm starting to see it as well. Um, just strictly, I mean, last year was a disaster for him. But even going back to the tournament, so the, the, both those schools are getting by on just elite athleticism and not from being well-coached teams. Um, Calipari, I, I think the problem there is not so much age and fatigue, but more so, um, the intent of the program. I think that quote that you touched on in the beginning, you know, what am I going to say to his family? I think that's a huge concern for Calipari because the Kentucky brand is almost, almost a stepping stone for elite athletes to go get drafted and do well in the NBA. Kentucky guys, guys do great in the NBA. I mean, they're all over the place. Guys that weren't necessarily that good in college go to the NBA and are, are very good right now. Um, so I think Calipari's focus is heavily tilted towards getting those elite athletes to want to go to Kentucky and get ready for the league. And that's what that quote and that comments about is making sure families know that coach Cal is going to look out for the brand and the brand of Kentucky basketball is not so much about bringing joyous basketball to the state of Kentucky to, you know, Boyd Crowder and, you know, um, you know, freaking, you know, Walton Goggins. It's the same guy. I just used his character name and the actor's name, but um, it's more about getting people to go play in the NBA. So I think there, there's, it's misaligned for Calipari. And then the other two guys are just old and on, on the back nine, getting close to 18. I think with Kentucky, every single year Calipari has been there. The goal, like you had mentioned, is to get these kids to the next level, to the NBA. Now, as a byproduct of such stud athletes coming out of high school, Kentucky was really good also in college basketball. These kids are still going to go to the next level. This team is, they're just not good this year. It, in college basketball itself. And so Kentucky fans are saying to themselves, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. We're used to having our cake and eating it too. You're still going to get guys drafted this year. You're just not good at basketball this year uh, at the collegiate level. And I suppose you need to, I mean, you have to know at this point with Cal, what the pecking order is or what the, what the priority is. And it's always been getting guys to the league. Now there is one guy that I, th- I was reading Sam Vicente and he made a good point. BJ Boston, I believe it is. Uh, not, I'm not blanking on his name. I'm blanking on which five-star recruit he's referencing, but BJ Boston came into this year like a lottery pick and Sam Vicente is saying he wouldn't draft him in either round. So he's saying BJ Boston should be coming back to school. That is one of the very, very few I can think of under Calipari that we, we saw them in the beginning and they just never really ascended to that next level. Maybe Alex Poitras, but he tore his ACL like a bunch of times. So BJ Boston's a very peculiar case. I'd be, I wouldn't necessarily take that for once these guys get to the combine and they're com- competing against one another, you could easily see him rise up the draft board. I, the NBA is all about athleticism and people that can play multiple positions and are super athletic at this point. He seems to fit that niche right there. He's probably going to have, have a spot at the next level, but who knows? Um, but one thing you said that kind of struck me was Kentucky's always been about getting people to the next level. And I don't disagree with you on that, but if I'm a Kentucky fan, you know, if I'm just if if I'm Boyd Crowder, like I just said, and I'm sitting there, and, who is Boyd Crowder? What is this? What is this? You ever, you never, I mean, I know never seen Dawkins. Is this a yeah, CBI yeah, John, show unicorn? No, no, John, well, that's a that's a great show. 
you want to burn some minutes. You want to burn some minutes here. You're having a light, light dinner or something. You're waiting to start the next show. You throw on unicorn. Really good. Very heartwarming, but no boy. They got, they got Charles green from, uh, they do ballers too, right? Yes, they Big do. Also, good, good. Also eight mile. Um, <laughs> and they got Luke, uh, Lugal, the guy, the guy that went to UMass and hot tub time machine. Oh, Coydry. Co- Rob Coydry. Coydry. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. got him too. It's a great cast. Yeah. Uh, that was a really good cast. Strong, strong. Yeah. <laughs> Boyd Crowder is a character in Justified on FX that also had Timothy Oliphant. Um, he's a hillbilly from Harlan County, Kentucky. So that's what I normally would picture as a Kentucky fan as someone that lives in the deep hollers. Um, but the goal, as you said, and I agree with is Calipari's trying to get guys to the next level, which if I'm a fan, I'm like, really? I, why, what about like winning? You know, I, I kind of prioritize that over whether or not, you know, some guy gets drafted. I don't really care about that. I root for people in the NBA of um, uh, that do well at the next level, but I'd much rather have great memories of people doing well for the university to, to take it to my example. You know, one of the better players in the NBA from Tennessee is probably Tobias Harris. And it's like, he was there for one year. Uh, you know, he's good at, he was good while he was there, but he doesn't nearly bring the same memories as someone that plays 12 minutes off the bench on Boston, which is Grant Williams. Like everybody loves Grant Williams. And, you know, he was there for three years and was phenomenal. So I think there's a distinction there and who the fans actually root for and what they prioritize. I completely agree. If I was a fan, I'd rather collegiate success. Give me a team like Gonzaga who doesn't produce anyone like good in the league. Not as of yet. Maybe Zach Collins, maybe Brandon Clark. Those are, I mean, am I missing someone else? Don't get me started on John Stockton. That was before. Olenek. I mean, these are all just like solid players for sure. But I mean, no one, no one, to turn your head there's no all-stars right as of yet i don't think but but the point that i'm making is i agree with you but as a kentucky fan you're you're this long into the calipari relationship i think we're a decade in you you have to know what the expectations are and so to your point about i'd rather them win they have been doing that they were able to do both simultaneously they were able to get guys like john wall demarcus cousins set records uh, for a number of draft picks taken in the first round and also go to elite eights and also go to final fours. They got a guy like Anthony Davis, who's a hall of famer, who's the greatest college basketball player, in my opinion, a national title winner, an NBA champion, right? They have those guys. It's just that this year they have to reconcile the fact that they fucking suck at basketball. And I was hoodwinked. I was bamboozled. I was fooled. I, I thought Kentucky was going to be very good. I thought they were going to win the sec, it's not the case. They're not very good at all, but they will uh, get get their guys to the next level. Now, Shark, I want to ask you, because bracketology is upcoming here in a little bit. We're going to have to fill out brackets in, in, in a bit. Is there a chance that we see all three of these teams not on any line? Kentucky's probably out, which is crazy, unless they win the SEC title, uh, the conference tournament, that is. Is there a chance that we see all three of these guys not, not available? Well, I think we'll get a good answer about Duke tonight. They play, they play, and we're doing this when people listen, but Duke's playing Pitt tonight, right? Isn't that tonight? Or did that already happen? No, they're playing Pitt tonight. Yeah, they're playing Pitt tonight. So we'll see what happens there. I, I do think uh, either Duke or Carolina will last get out night, of I should say, as the same yeah, as last, last night. night. Where am I? Um, <laughs> Duke or Carolina will get in. And that's just because the ACC is not very good. Um, there's a lot of just terrible teams in the ACC. Uh, that those two schools will be able to sneak some wins out of. Um, and there's no one that is 
elite in the ACC. Kentucky is going to have a harder time because the SEC is pretty dangerous this year. They've already had to face Auburn. I said Auburn. Auburn beat them, but Auburn's not very good. Uh, they've already had. They already lost to Alabama. They're going to have to play LSU, who's dangerous. Tennessee. Maybe they can make a layup that game. We'll see about it. Uh, you know, it's it's just a tough tough conference to be in. Whereas in the ACC, you're going to go pretty much Florida State, and you know you're going to be in for a tough defensive matchup with Virginia. And otherwise, you can win every other game that you play. Yeah, and especially because there were murmurs of Clemson this past week and they just got their doors blown off. They were ranked number 12, got their doors blown off at home against Virginia. And I don't know if it was necessarily Tony Bennett's squad rounding into form, but I think Clemson might be a bit fraudulent. Uh, You know, who's not fraudulent though, in your conference, Bama, that team is fucking good. And I know we have our opinions on Nate Oates, but they got some players, man. They got some veteran leadership as well with John. John Petty is a is a Van Wilder house kind of guy. Oh yeah, he's dead. He, he's locked into the Van Wilder house. He's been there forever. And you know what? I a lot of people tell me I never admit when I'm wrong. I think I'm pretty wrong. Re colon Nate Oates. Um, just the way he has that team play. You know, they're very fast. They play like an NBA team. They chuck a ton of threes. They play fearless. You know, they've been down Quinterly for a few games. Herb Jones just got hurt too, and they're still just beating the piss off teams. As we do this podcast, they're just devouring LSU and Baton Rouge too. So that that team's legitimate. Uh, they're, they're, they play like Auburn plays, those Bruce Pearl teams where they're just up and down and in your face. So I think that's the way you got to play if you have the athletes. Um, you know, maybe someone could tell Rick Barnes about that. But you know. not going to tip my hand too, too much here, but come March. If things are going the way they're going, do not let me see where Bama and Houston end up because those oh, two oh, teams don't, don't hop on don't hop on my Houston thing. I like Houston you was know, your early guy, but yeah. fine. But all right, I'm I might be eyeing Bama. I, I got lazy eyes on Bama right now here in January. Might be stronger stronger eyes in February March. The thing with Bama, I do is, love Houston though. Well, Plenty yeah, of room I, to love. There, it's all about love. Um, so Bama's six and zero in the conference right now. Um, they have a couple bad losses out of the conference. They're probably going to win tonight. Now, I am curious how they're going to perform once they are the the top dog. They're the alpha dog because if they they're going to be most likely get, be the one seed in the SEC tournament if we have an SEC tournament. Uh, in which case, you're going to have people giving the best effort. And then once you get to the tournament, if they're seated on the three or the two line, that might be too much for Bama basketball early on. I mean, that's upset city right there. You know, throw in like a well-oiled right state or something. Get in there, start you know, start getting in their their heads a little bit. Um, that might be a problem. But if they're sitting in a position where they're you know they're a six or something like that, that's dangerous. If you're a Bama basketball player, I think I've mentioned this a couple times, and there's a very few institutions where it's like this. Clemson basketball. If you're a Bama or Clemson basketball, there's quite literally nothing you could do short of winning a national title to get the football team's attention. And I feel like even the fan base's attention. I mean, these guys, these guys could be a one or a two seed, two or three seed in the NCAA tournament. That is not going to move the needle down in Tuscaloosa. I promise you. Like, I don't even think guys like Henry Ruggs, who's uh, they're not on the team anymore, but like Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, Nick Saban. I think that would be news to them if you told them, "Hey, coach, you know, here in your off season, if you're as you're getting ready for spring ball, did you know that Nate Oates and and his tide are are the one seed?" Oh, I didn't know that actually. <laughs> to take it even further, DeAndre Hopkins played basketball on Clemson's team. 
And I bet most people didn't even know that. Like the probably the best receiver in the NFL. You know, put him anywhere. He can make a difference. Most people probably didn't even know that he played basketball for Clemson for a little bit. Some good off-season training there for for Hopkins. All right. But, yeah, so big news right now, uh, especially when the rankings came out. No Carolina, no Duke, no Kentucky. We will see if they are able to make it to the NCAA tournament later in March. Uh, another topic I wanted to touch base on, Baylor. They beat the brakes off of Kansas. I think it was a 9 or 10-point spread. But let me ask Eight you this, Jeff. Eight and a half. Okay, so yep. neither. Let me ask you this, Shark. Are we not giving Baylor enough credit? We've waxed poetic about Gonzaga, and they are fantastic. I truly think that they are the best team in the country right now because even when they play poorly, they win by double digits, 14, 16 points. But Baylor is still doing their thing. Baylor is still, it seems like they're somehow flying under the radar, and this win finally sort of put them on the map, quote unquote. But should should that have happened? I mean, they're a Big 12 team. They were great last year. They probably would have been the number one overall seed last year. They're in contention for it this year. Are we overlooking Baylor just a little bit, or is that just me? Uh, I think most people think it's a two-horse race at this point, where it's Kentucky, I mean, excuse me, Gonzaga, Baylor in the field. Um, I know we had an episode a few episodes ago where we discussed that a little bit. I, I don't, I don't see it as people overlooking Baylor. I just think they're not established as being that elite program that you're used to just putting on the one line. You know, it's not like Kansas where you just every year you're going to assume they're going to be a one seed or something like that. Or Gonzaga has that reputation where they're always going to be a one seed. Putting Baylor there, that just seems a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but when you re- when you really compare them to Gonzaga, it's unfortunate that we had that game canceled because that would have been a great to see both these teams tested because I would agree that they're both very far ahead of everyone else at this point now that Tennessee threw up that pooper tonight. Uh, but I actually like Baylor a little bit more than I would Gonzaga, and the reason I say that is because of Jared Butler. Um, he, he's just a great college player every which way he can get a bucket whenever you matter, whenever you need it. Uh, he has, he can create his own shot more than I think anyone on Gonzaga can. I mean, I know Kispert's putting up huge points per game, but I mean, he's Kispert, you know, he's, he's kind of, he plays within the offense a little bit and he's the, he succeeds because of the sum. Um, Jared Butler kind of just runs that team. I know everyone else on Baylor is good too. Like the COT, all those other from Mark Vidal, all those guys, Davion Mitchell, but Butler is, the kind of guy that can put you on his back and carry you to a title as like, I'm, I know he's not a good of a shooter, but if that Oklahoma team with buddy healed was much better defensively and had other really great players, that's what this kind of big 12 team we're looking at right now. Yeah. I'm leaning towards Baylor over Gonzaga right now as well. To be honest with you, I, another team that I think we still might be overlooking is Villanova. They still have great point guard play with Gillespie. We know what Jay Wright can do in the postseason. They also have Jeremiah Robinson Earl. But we'll, I mean, we'll get to Nova at a different time. It is right now. I think that Kansas win did solidify, like you had mentioned, Zags, Baylor, and the field. But at one point, I think even prior to the Kansas game last week, at one point, it was just Gonzaga versus the field. We saw a lot of people completely dismissing Baylor. And I think you do that at your own, at your own peril because we're so used to Baylor. Yeah. You had mentioned not being on the one line, but we're also used to them getting high seeds, two, three, maybe even four, and then shitting down their pants. 
Think about that Torian Prince team that lost to uh, Makai Mason and Yale. Do you think about their loss to Georgia State? Those are all highly ranked teams from Baylor, and Scott Drew is kind of underwhelmed with really good teams. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. You mentioned Jared Butler, obviously. Uh, and this right now, guys, I'm putting out I'm putting out a my PSA right now here, January 20th. Start looking for guys that can put a team on their back in the tournament. Jared Butler's that kind of guy. Start looking for guys that when a team is heavily favored and they're in a dogfight under eight timeout, and you need to you're scratching and clawing for that under four timeout, and you've let up an 8-0 run. Who's the one that's going to stop the bleeding? Who is going to take over and get you two or three buckets in a row? That's who you need to start identifying. And Jared Baylor or Butler, excuse me, is one of those guys. Uh, I just think we need to start looking at, at Baylor a little bit closer. Uh, especially as tournament time comes. Who I, I want to see one of these great defensive teams play. Uh, I know both. I know Baylor is a great defensive team. They're the number one defense in the country by Ken Palm, but I want to see one of the other ones match up with Gonzaga. Um, I know Baylor just played and beat Texas tech. So that was kind of a good way of seeing that Baylor performed against Texas and Baylor was just tremendously better than Texas tech too over the weekend. Um, but I want to see like Wisconsin play Gonzaga or something where you, you, they kind of stifle them a little bit and you get into kind of a, a more intense game, right? You know, Gonzaga, they, everyone was looking forward to that game against Iowa, but Iowa can't defend anyone. Um, and that kind of got away from them quickly. I think Iowa can play with Gonzaga if they get matched up again, but obviously it's going to, they're going to have to be lighting it up shooting wise and Gonzaga is going to have to be missing a few shots, but I want to see someone really get inside Gonzaga's, Ooda loop a little bit because, you know, the week uh, the game over the weekend, St. Mary's kind of shut them down for the first 10 minutes and then Gonzaga woke up. But if you're playing someone that's a little bit more institutionally sound defensively, that might run a little different. Well, this is the enigma with Gonzaga every single year. They run through teams during the regular season. And then when you look at the brackets, when you're picking it, you almost have to, I mean, you're conditioned at this point to be like, okay, where are they going to trip up? They're not going to be your one seed that trips up against a, fifth, a 15 or a 16, right? Or if Even if they're a two seed, they're not like that type of team. You, th- you think of these power teams like Michigan State when they lost to Middle Tennessee State. That seems to happen. Gonzaga's used to playing these shitty teams. They're used to blowing their doors off. They know how to approach shitty teams. Uh, but it's how do they approach really good teams in March? Because they've shown that they can beat teams, obviously, in December and in January. But how are they going to do it in March? They had that one magical year where they went all the way to the title game. But, you know, even since then, it's kind of been a little underwhelming for the Zags. So, I mean, that's that's just the enigma every single year with them. You don't know where they're going to get tripped up when they play uh, not necessarily a blue blood, just a power team. Agree. All right, let's move on then here, Shark. Uh, we talked Baylor. We talked Kentucky, Carolina, Duke. Let me ask you a question here. This was actually posed to me earlier today, and I think it was very interesting. Can you lose blue blood status? You had mentioned blue blood earlier in the program. Can you lose that status, though? Uh, the reason I'm bringing it up is because you look at the turmoil that Tennessee's going through. You look at the turmoil that Michigan has gone through. They can't beat Ohio State. I'm talking about football, obviously. And some people have said they're not, they're not quote-unquote blue bloods in football anymore. 
Can you lose that status, or is that something that you always have, no matter how bad you suck? I think it takes a a lifetime slash generation to do it. You got to you got to take out a generation. So, like right now, the, the baby boomers—they're all still alive. The baby boomers—they were alive when Indiana was a really good program in basketball. Indiana hasn't been good since then. I think once the baby boomers, they get wiped out and let's assume Indiana doesn't get back to a final four. Then all of a sudden you got all these kids that are growing up this in Indiana basketball. They stink. They've always been terrible my entire life. That's when I think you remove them from a blue blood status. It's the same thing with, I get UCLA will hang on to that. And really it's the same thing for most college basketball programs because strictly the baby, <laughs> I, I can't think of any other, I guess a good example would be when we were going through the top, the Titch manifesto, um, we saw a lot of great programs that were, were surprisingly great programs like Cincinnati in Oklahoma state. We would never think there was our blue blood programs, but I guess if you were to rewind 25 years to the versions of us, then maybe they saw them as blue bloods because their generation above them recognized them as great programs. So it takes a generation, I would say. Takes a village, takes a generation. I agree. Because Indiana was the one I was wrestling with because I was talking to my football buddy, Chris Jason, who's a big friend of the program. He's been on the program actually before, but he told me he's the one that gave is me. He the one, is he one of my guys? No, uh, he might be yeah. a foxhole guy. I don't know. Right. He's, he's cousins with McGillicuddy. That's your boy. Yeah, I like that then. So he said, you know, Michigan's not a blue blood in football anymore. But I was thinking to myself, the biggest parallel i could make i guess is indiana but i'm like indiana's still a blue blood if someone asked me about them i'd say yes they are another thing that actually spurred this conversation was i mean and this is just how insane college basketball twitter is a lot of people talk about nba twitter and it's probably my most entertaining subsection of twitter college basketball twitter fellas is some of the most ridiculous dumbest people like their logic just makes no sense and here's an example this guy goes it's time to start th- here let me actually pull up this tweet i gotta i gotta pull up the tweet and read it verbatim Did because you send me this tweet no be, be, because he disproves himself he he counters himself from at the end of the tweet to what he was saying in the beginning here it is the zags and nova should 100 percent be in the conversation for quote blue blood status okay maybe Baylor has a great team this year and they could very well hang a banner in a few months, but one banner doesn't get you into the blue blood club. So why does Gonzaga get to be in that conversation? Then they only have one final four. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? And I agree that Baylor's not a blue blood. Even if they win a title, they're probably not a blue blood. I don't think Gonzaga's a blue Villanova. They are a blue blood. They should be considered as such. So should UConn. But I mean, I just had to expose college basketball Twitter when this guy's like, oh, the Zags should definitely be in the conversation. But Baylor, even if they win a title, no, they shouldn't. I guess he's probably speaking towards uh, sustained success. But yes, uh, whoever this guy is that you found on Twitter with his irrational take um, is irrational. Yeah. Uh, Last little, I don't know. What's the best way to describe it? My last little thought i guess inside inside my insane mind last year we talked about rims and nets 
Need it, need it long and low, baby. Long and low, like a mom butt. Soft rims, long and low Jesus. net. That's the best way. That's a workaholics quote. I didn't I didn't come up with that, unfortunately. But uh, that's the nets and the rims that we need. Let me tell you something. What else we need, Shark? We need the court in the corner painted some sort of color. Because when you're watching on TV and you're looking at the net and there's no paint behind the net, you can't see the net. Does that make sense? Am I am I expressing myself properly here? Somewhat. Give me a give me a court example. You you're have one in the TV. chamber. You're watching TV. Okay. No, like a specific team's court. You know what I'm talking about? Is maybe Michigan. I took okay. I took a picture the other day on Titch. Like so, you have you have the baseline right? That's painted some certain color. Familiar with the baseline? Yes. <laughs> but but it's only like a sliver of the baseline. Like I would say maybe. Yep. And then it goes back to the kind of a parquet color. Yes, yes, exactly. So when you're watching on TV, that parquet color is acting as a backdrop to the net itself. And it makes it very difficult to see the net. And you're basically like, it's just a poor user or visual experience. All right. So what I'm asking people to do is get me soft rims, long and low nets, just get the Lahaina center rims and then paint all the parquet. What happened to good old paint? Yeah, you know. Uh, can I ask a question to your comment here? Yes. Let me ask. Let me ask. When was the when was the last time you've been outside? You getting enough air? Like That's Jesus Christ, question. we're in lockdown here. I know, but like, man, back hurts. That's where I just I, came from. Of actually. all of all the things to have gripes about, this is very very niche. Like I'm good with the oh, nets. Yeah. Yeah, but get get some air. You know, go for a walk. Take it easy. I know. I know you haven't been boozing a little bit this month. I know we're all hurting. You're doing the whole thirty over there. You're looking great, Father. But make sure you get some air. Uh, don't let these tiny little things get into your head. All right, this is this is tiny. This this issue right here. Well, it's attention to detail. Attention to detail never sleeps. I actually had to update one of my quotes from a tweet that I sent out two and a half years ago from Wedding Crashers. The question was, name your favorite movie in, in just, five words. Attention to detail. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't I, need I, the I, whole thing. Just paint a little bit. I know. Just get some air. You know, that's all I'll tell you in response to that. I do have to tell you, you know, when you enter the holiday season, your employer, they always say, get some rest, come back refreshed for 2021. I can tell you right now, I am not refreshed. I'm as angry and bitter as ever. My back hurts. It's freezing cold here. I just don't like my work. I can't tell you how non-refreshed I am right now. And that's probably contributing to why I, I identified that. I'm only, I feel great. Uh, I'm definitely refreshed. Got a great weekend. Uh, watch football, and then I would always wash down the night with uh, one of the Oceans movies. You seen the Oceans lately? Oceans I, Eleven, Oceans Twelve. Well, Oceans Eleven is one of my favorite films. Ever. Oh, I actually saw the Oceans Eight too on a plane. Yeah, so I, I I just wanted to kind of wipe through the Oceans, you know, do a rewatch, catch myself up. Oceans Eleven is just phenomenal theater. I didn't know that was one of your favorites of all time. That's a weird oh, one to be a favorite, but it's it's so good. What a film. You know, you want to Terry talk Benedict. About- Terry Benedict. That's your boy. That's Benedict's your boy. not my boy. <laughs> Who's your boy? <laughs> Who's Bernie my Mac? boy in that film? Bernie, Bernie Mac. Mac. <laughs> when we get up on, on the table, shine the shoes. I want to dance for you. I love it. Uh, I also, uh, you know, we want to talk about hyper focused or whatever it was you used to describe. You look at the way Brad Pitt eats food. 
a messy hamburger, some fries. He always like shakes his hand afterwards. I found myself doing that quite often after watching that film. A messy burger, a hot dog, a finger food, really phenomenal finger I, food. I could see it. I, I love the way your brain functions. It's great. Um, yeah, I I, I, to- I totally see what you're talking about with Brad Pitt. He's got like kind of the sloppy thing, throws it down. He's chewing. He's got a quirky comment coming out of the side of his mouth, and then he's on to the next scene. It's classic Pitt. Um, I pr- I probably do have to get some air. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go ahead and get to our last topic, though, before we get to may I have some more. The new schedule for the tournament, Shark. What a catastrophe. I have to tell you, what a catastrophe. This has completely jilted my PTO scheduling. I got to really look at when, I, when I'm going to take these days off because the days are going to be off. Don't get me wrong. But there is nothing better than taking the first Thursday and Friday off completely and then going straight into a weekend. And then you sort of dry yourself off on Monday get back at it next Thursday. So with, with, before I get your thoughts, let me go ahead and give the theater goer the actual schedule. The first four, all four games is Thursday, excuse me, not all four games, uh, two games, correct? Yeah. The first, the first, the, the play-in games are on Thursday. Playing games. Right. Sorry. The playing games are on Thursday, March 18th. And then the first round is the next day, Friday, and then Saturday, so the 19th through 20th. Second round is Sunday and Monday. Now, this is really where it fucks up our normal schedule, but the second round is the 21st through the 22nd, Sunday and Monday. The Sweet 16 is uh, Saturday and Sunday, 27th through the 28th. The Elite Eight, again, where it fucks up, is Monday and Tuesday, 29th through the 30th. Final four back on our regular regularly scheduled programming. Saturday, uh, and then the title game on Monday. But Shark, the two biggest areas that have really fucked with us are the uh, second round, which is Sunday and Monday, and then the Elite Eight Monday and Tuesday. It's almost blasphemous as I'm saying this right now. I haven't fully processed it yet. You know, this has been a hell of a year. Uh, you and me specifically, Father. We, we both, due to COVID, we had to we both had to maneuver around weddings, right? You know, we had a lot to do that this pandemic has impacted us. But despite those headaches that we had to endure, I think that this is a bigger deal for me personally about how I deal with the tournament. Um, Thursday is a holiday for me. It always has been. It always will be. I take it off. I, I you know, it, it, it's a religious experience for me. And now we got to adjust. Now I'm working Thursday. Got to work Thursday. Friday. I think you can have a conversation with yourself about whether or not you want to take the day off or want to save it for Monday at that point. You're, you're thinking internally. It's already a Friday for you at that point. I'm going to take it off. I'm also going to take Tuesday off too. But for the average Joe out there, uh, you got to think about where you're at. I haven't fully made an opinion on this yet. I kind of like the idea of mixing it up a little bit. You give me a Friday, Saturday. I like One thing that I've always hated about, I don't hate, I love everything about the opening weekend. But if there's one kind of upset piece I've always had with the tournament is on Saturday is you're coming down off of such a high. You have two full days of games all day, multiple games at once. And then Saturday, it's like, oh, shit, I only got one game at noon and then one game at four, then two games at six and then, you know, three games at night. And it's kind of not enough. Now you're going Friday, Saturday. You're you're going 
all in at that point on those two crucial days of the weekend. Now your weekend isn't your tip. You, you know, it's not your grandfather's weekend. All right. This is a new weekend for you. It's a new normal. We're all adjusting. Um, so your weekend's going to have to run, you know, your Saturdays, your Friday, uh, your Thursdays, your Friday, Yeah, your Fridays, your Thursday, uh, everything, everything changes. Um, I kind of like it. I'm down to mix it up a little bit. I, it gives me one more day to crunch the numbers on my bracket. We all know I'm a huge bracket guy and I'll stay up very late Monday through up until Thursday. And sometimes I, I don't have enough time to, you know, run, run my analysis on my seven ten pick on the bottom, right. But now I'll have enough time. I get that extra 24 hours. So that's it. That's an advantage. Here's my analogy. It's like whenever your favorite app, I'll see use mine. For example, it's like whenever Twitter makes an update for some people, it might be in Instagram. Maybe you prefer a lamb and tuna fish. Like sometimes whenever those updates happen right away, you say, this sucks. I hate it. What a terrible update. And then because you're such a fiend, because you're such an addict, you just get used to it. That's exactly how I'm going to be here with the tournament. Now, who knows if this is going to be the schedule moving forward? I don't. I say right now, as I look at it, it's just visually appalling to me. But as we approach the tournament, who are we to, or who am I to sort of complain about this? We didn't even have it last year. I should be grateful that anything's happening this year. But I think what I hate the most are the second round and the Elite Eights. I just, it's so tough for me to digest having to watch these games on Monday and then the Elite Eight Monday and Tuesday. It's just not right to me. It's just not right to me because the Elite Eight is always on Thursday, Friday. And then you have your, or excuse me, Elite Eight's always on Thursday, right? And then you have your final four on that Saturday. It's it's Thursday, Friday. Thursday, Friday. And then, well, but. No, because both. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. You're right. You're right. Yeah, Thursday, no, it's Friday, Thursday, Friday, Friday. The and then the next weekend is yeah. Saturday, Final Four, Monday, fine. But like, oh man, watching the Elite Eight on a Monday, Tuesday, when I know I have to get up, like, there's just something much better about Thursday. You're approaching the weekend. You get those first two games in. Then Friday, you get those second two games in, and then you're already at the weekend. There's just something like. I mean, the, the 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 tournament is perfect because of the days, or in large part, I think, because of the days that they're played. It's just, it was a perfect concoction, like, if you put yeah, all I know, the I know, spices I, into the cauldron. It, put the spices in, but let me play a little Mr. Brightside for you right here. We're, we have created an all-time Saturday. We have never had a Saturday like this. You will never have another Saturday like the Saturday that we're going to have for the 2021 March Madness, where you have a full slate of first round slash second round games on Saturday, not on Friday, not on Thursday. So you can devote every which attention you want. You're already taking that Monday off. You have to, your hands are tied. You got to take Monday off. It's not, I mean, boss man, I'm sorry. You know, I got, I got to be there on Monday. So you already have two more days post Saturday. All right. You don't have to worry about on that Saturday being like, Oh, what's going on at work? Or some people working. Am I getting emailed? There's nobody emailing anyone on Saturday. All right. Your only focus is waking up at 930, getting to where you got to be and watching that first tip at noon. And then you do nothing until 2 a.m. All right. So that that we are circle that Saturday because that is an all time Saturday and people need to start getting excited about that. And don't kick the can down the road about the Monday night elite eight games. Yeah, that sucks. It's terrible. Uh, But kick the can down the road. I appreciate you. Know, that's power of positive thinking right there. Thank so you. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to embrace this. We're going to make the best out of it and we'll see, you know, this is new chart, uh, uncharted territory for us, but I will for sure be taking those days off. Hell, I might even take the first four Thursday off. Fuck it. Out of principle. 
right? I, we need to get back yeah. to our uh, normal. Would that be just a waste of PTO? Yeah, it's a waste of PTO. I mean, I'm going to waste it. God damn it. I'm going to waste it. Yeah. Need I'm to get save, some pressure. Save it for the Tuesday. Take a hatty on Tuesday. No, I'm taking, I'm taking the full thing. It's the goddamn tournament, all right? Nobody's taking well, the That's tournament. right. The second. Yeah, that's right. Well, no. Tuesday. There's no Elite Eight Tuesday is. Well, yeah, I'm talking about the one after the first round. There's there's nothing on that Tuesday after the first bender. That that's when you want, would want to save that Thursday PTO. You want to put throw a little throw a little PTO over there, throw a few miles my way, a little bit, whatever you want to do. I'll tell you what. Sometimes I was thinking about even maybe taking a buffer day on a regular schedule that buffer Monday, but I, I think that just might be. I'd be taking the entirety of the second half of March off. All right, let's uh, move on here to. Please, sir, may I have some more? Please, sir, I want some more. What? 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 more? Let's review real quick last week's picks. Taylor not here, but last week he had Florida State minus four and a half against NC State. That hit, and then he lost the next two. Arkansas plus two against LSU, uh, and then Wyoming plus nine and a half against Boise State. Neither of those hit. Boise State, very good ball club, by the way. Leon Rice, Kings of Leon Rice. And then U-Shark, Texas Tech, plus three against Texas. Who can forget that game winner from McClung? That hit. Georgia, minus one and a half against Auburn. They just got their doors blown off. Auburn killed them. And then you said, no matter what the spread is, give me Illinois uh, covering that against Ohio State. They obviously lost, so that didn't hit. So recap right now, Shark, seven Taylor six. So shark, before we get to your picks, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go real quick and read off what Taylor's got. Taylor's got Boise state minus 14 over Fresno state, Colorado minus 12 over Washington and Tulsa plus 12 against Houston. Give me yours. All right. My picks, uh, I squeeze them all. I don't want to run into the Illinois, Ohio state issue that I did last time where I, uh, Made a bet without even knowing what the spread is. Not doing that anymore. I'll keep mine focused on Wednesday. Depending on how they do, I'll think about what we're going to do. Um, so my picks for Wednesday night, which will be airing this morning for you guys tonight. My first one is going to go to the ACC. The pick is Georgia Tech. They're favored by one over Clemson. Clemson, I I know they're in a, a good spot, having just been beaten by 40 points the previous game against Virginia. But here's the here's my theory, Father. Georgia Tech's just good. Georgia Tech, I I know we made you made fun of them specifically early on in the year, but I like what these guys are about. They have a senior guard in Alvarado that is legitimate. I think he's putting up like 18 and 5 this year. Uh, and they can score. They returned a lot of their guys. DeVoe is another one of them. Just good, good a well-coached team that can create shots when they need to. And Clemson has proven to not really be able to score too well. So I know Clemson is a good defensive team. I just like the stuff that Georgia Tech runs. I think the fact that Clemson is ranked, having just been killed and playing a mediocre ACC team like Georgia Tech and Georgia Tech's favored, I think that's a signal. And that's a signal that I'm picking up on. Uh, and I'm going to pick Georgia Tech there. My other pick is going to be Providence getting 10 points against Creighton. Providence is tough. Creighton is soft. Creighton can put up points. Providence can hang around. You go back the past few years, Ed Cooley teams have always played uh, uh, Creighton well, and I expect that to happen. Providence, I don't think, has played um, since 
forget their last game. I know they had a tough one against Marquette last week that they lost, and then they lost to Xavier before that. I think they're due. This is a huge game for them. The very least, I think they're going to keep it close, and David Duke's going to be the best player on the court. And then finally, my last pick is going to be Arkansas. They're favored by five right now over Auburn. Um, Arkansas sucked the past two games. They got absolutely blitzed by um, LSU. They came back in the second half, and then they got absolutely destroyed in their, uh, against Alabama. They lost by like almost 40 points in that game. Humiliating efforts, both on the road, which is a key aspect of this. Arkansas plays great at home. They have a great player in Moses Moody. They get up and down the court, and this is a stink line. you got a team that's playing played terribly the past two games. Average uh, – you know, difference in loss was over 20 points. They're playing an Auburn team that has won two straight. That is all of a sudden getting hot. That has, um, you know, they, they beat Georgia. Then they beat Kentucky. Um, they, they, there's some level of energy surrounding Auburn right now. Uh, but if they're so, you know, if they've turned that corner that with Sharif Cooper, who's outstanding, by the way, why are they giving five, uh, getting five points on the road against Arkansas. So that's why I'm picking Arkansas to have a get-back game right there against Auburn. So my three picks, Georgia Tech minus one, Providence plus 10, Arkansas minus five. Love the stink line. I feel like we haven't heard it in a while. All right, let's go ahead and finish it up now with some hugs real quick before we do. We want to remind you that we're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. You can hear us on uh, Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go ahead and subscribe. All right. My hug real quick is for D Mitchell at Oklahoma state. D Mitchell, uh, walk on for the Cowboys earned a scholarship and it was actually a fantastic scene. Mike Boynton seems to be doing everything right there in Stillwater. He's got Cade Cunningham. The Cowboys are a very, really good team. They may be eligible, uh, but D Mitchell, this is probably the best story of the week. Everyone loves these walk on videos. They surprise them with a scholarship, D. Mitchell was at his place of employment, which is a Walmart. He was working at Walmart to pay to go through school. And now he, I don't know if he's sticking with Walmart, but he's got a scholarship and he was moved to tears. He talked to his mom, the whole team zoomed in. I'm sure they would have loved to be with him uh, to just sort of uh, dogpile on him like they usually do, but just a fantastic story there at a Stillwater. Mike Boynton doing some great things. Hug for you. D. Mitchell. Shark, I'm going to let you get out of here on this. This is an oldie but a goodie. If you are a day one titch guy or a gal, you know that when the Shark, when we were still able to congregate and be in stadiums, the Shark was at a Georgetown game and a fan behind him said, oh, nay, guaranteed that Jesse Govan was going to be drafted to the league. Might have been a first round pick. I got the audio right now. This has been about two years in the making. The Shark finally provided the audio. I'm going to apologize. It's not very good, but bear with us. Uh, and then Shark, will get your commentary before we head on out of here. So if you didn't hear that, uh, basically some guy said Jesse Govan will be drafted number 27 or 28. That clearly did not happen. The shark appalled just gave him $5 to shut up and go away with his opinion after the guy said, I only have $2 to bet with. Uh, the shark said, here, I'll just give you 5 bucks. 
that was the worst opinion I've ever heard. Thank you for finding that audio shark. I didn't find it. It was sent to me uh, by a guy that was there that night. I mean, what do you want me to say? I did, I felt felt for the kid. The kid was struggling with opinions like that. I figured you give him the five, maybe get him off to a, on the right track. He can make something of himself. So don't know who the guy is. Um, wish him all the best. Go Van. Who knows where, what he's up to right now. Well, I think last year when I was doing a whole 30, I went to a DePaul game and a similar type of kid said Paul Reed was going to be drafted. And I think a lot of mocks had Paul Reed uh, in the first round, second round. I don't think he went drafted though. So I wish I was recording that. I might get my fiance to see if she had her, her recorder going or anything like that. But I'm glad we finally got the audio. That was an oldie, but a goodie shark. I'm glad it came up as well. Good show, Father. Good show. Thank you again for listening. We'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. The fog's just lifting. Throw off your bow. Throw off your stern. You head out to the channel past Rocky Neck, 10-pound island, past Niles Pond where I skated as a kid. Blow your air horn and throw a wave to the lighthouse keeper's kid on Thatcher Island. Then the birds show up. Black backs, herring gulls, big dump ducks. The hun hits it. Sun hits you. Head north. Open up to 12. Steaming now. The guys are busy. You're in charge. You know what? You're a goddamn sword boat captain. Is there anything better in the world? You are listening to theater and college hoops.